making waves, inspiring change, opening doors to an equal future. Here on the Trapes and Globe on Wheels Disability Advocacy Podcast, host Ming Canada journeys with an array of guests through the multifaceted world of disability advocacy. Guests will share their insights and will discuss some of today's most crucial questions and topics, as well as provide perspectives into the current disability rights movement and lifestyles of people around the world. Let's make waves together in the disability movement. Enjoy the episode. Today, we had the pleasure of welcoming Grace Jung from Open Style Lab onto our show. As a designer, professor, and social entrepreneur, Grace equips her community with best practices to challenge quality of life for aging and people with disabilities. From designing graphic interfaces for smartphones and wearables, to constructing accessible blazers for women with breast cancer, she has achieved incredible feats. And now, let's listen in on that conversation with Grace John. Grace John, welcome to the Trapes and Global on Wheels podcast hour. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> of course. So for listeners who are not as familiar with you, I know you've been featured on multiple big platforms. But for those who don't know you, let me read a little bio. So Grace John is the executive director of Open Style Lab and assistant professor at the School of Fashion in Parsons School of Design in New, at the New School, where she teaches undergraduate and graduate students. Grace's work has received nationwide attention and has been featured at the White House Fashion Show, celebrating inclusive design, assistive technology, and prosthetics, CNBC, Business of Fashion, Vogue, Forbes, and the New York Times style. She has been asked to speak about disability in design in numerous settings from design Indaba to South by Southwest. Open Style Lab started at MIT as a public service project. It is an annual 10-week summer program. Grace organized the first showcase at MIT in 2014 and has worked on developing clothing for people with autism, impaired vision, cerebral palsy, and many other disabilities. So thank you so much, Grace. We are so honored. Thank you. To kick off with our first question, can you share with us how Open Style Lab got started and what was the original catalyst for OSL? Yeah, actually, Open Style Lab began by two of my friends. Um, and one was at MIT, the other one was at Brown. And they, they really had the best intentions when they realized, hey, you know, medical health sciences, uh, and all of those things are really improving uh, life as well as like hospital development, but really just getting on basic clothes was a challenge. And so they took that as their initiative and I had joined in in around 2015 and the original founder's name is Grace too. So we were like, oh, it's okay. We'll just, <laughs> just move their trans- transition off. Um, but I, I think the biggest thing that began and has developed is that there was just a lack of, I think, education and awareness on why clothing is still a barrier for people's greater independence or a better quality of like lifestyle and that it could be seen beyond just fashion. So that's why it employs designers, engineers, and therapists and people with disabilities to work together. This is not just a, it's not simple as something that's just about fashion or just frivolous clothes, but there are some medical benefits or physical benefits and uh, 
potential for, I think, really innovative ideas. So that's how it all began. So what is your long-term vision for OSL and adaptive clothing in general? Yeah, um, I think, so my long-term vision for Open Style Lab is, I think, to grow a stronger community. It's, it's really hard, and I'm sure you understand as well, <laughs> when, when you have a company and you're, you're pretty much shouting to the world to care about something, to raise awareness for something. And to have that consistent, um, whether it's full-time staff or volunteers, there's a lot of management. But mostly, I think, to respect, I think, people's expectations when they come in. I love looking at, like, churches as a very interesting model versus um, big Forbes foundations or uh, the, the contrast between what is volunteering, activism, and then also, like, running a company, which you got to pay taxes for and such and such. But... Those things, I think, uh, really have led me to probably just imagine the future of OSL to be bigger. So can this be replicable? Can we employ more people? How do we scale? So those are kind of the future questions I have uh, moving forward. Um, for adaptive clothing, I think that's a different story. Because uh, I, I feel it's been five years that we've been doing this. And over that time, uh, Tommy Hilfiger has came along. I think Zappos. There's a lot of, like, new and i'm glad to see also startup companies led by people with disabilities doing adaptive lines um i think girls chronically rocked i know it's by keisha greaves is in boston uh also some of our friends who are in um i think it's nc north carolina who are doing pants for wheelchair users and they've collaborated together as friends so just seeing that happen is i think a, a big change for adaptive fashion but I hope that also opens businesses to um, people who are diversely, you know, equipped for different abilities, not just a standard type of uh, body or a type of CEO per se. So I read this somewhere and let me know if it's true. I read that you were, you know, while you were a senior at uh, Rhode Island School of Design, um, you were hit by a, a car. And the accident in, in your injuries made you slow down and open your eyes to to things in life that you found unsatisfying. And um, so this temporary disability made you more aware of difficulties in the physical environment for those with disabilities as a whole. So what where does your passion to create adaptive clothing come from? Just as you know, out of personal curiosity. Yeah, I think uh, you don't know where you're really going or what you want to do till you look back. And you're like, oh, after like a decade, I kind of see the things that I tried and failed, the things that I liked, and the experiences that I've had that's led me here. So I wouldn't say it's just that experience in college, but when I look back on it, I'm like, oh, I remember using like grippers for the first time with my left hand because my right side uh, uh, was injured. And so those moments made me more creative and it also made me more alert and keen when I work with some of my friends with disabilities who are either struggling to put on clothes because the buttons haven't been invented for God knows how long and, and such and other kind of accessories that are just, I think, cumbersome. And so when I see that, I'm like, oh, I remember doing that. And I particularly remember an instance where I had not made on time to an intern uh, internship interview because it took me so long to get dressed. So I think those moments I've, I've also identified with, but just on a more, I think, um, creative scale, I've loved fashion. I've loved the style, the embodiment of like how it could change 
uh, someone's personality or expression. But I wasn't so keen on, I think, uh, working in the industry. I thought there could have been a different, different way of expressing what clothes can do. And so I stumbled upon it after going into IT for a few years and then um, making my own designs in graduate school and then now open Style Lab. But I think the journey has led me to being like, actually, there really wasn't a road. There was nobody to give me, uh, I think, a, a place where I wanted to express myself um, and to see how mobility really can be inspirational for more creative opportunities. So how and why is clothing and the freedom of, of expression through fashion especially important for people with disabilities? I think you started to talk about it, but further elaborate on that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I see a lack of, I think, accessible clothing is a barrier to anyone's independence. And that's speaking not just for myself, but my board as well. Um, Christina Mallon, who um, is also a talented uh, UX kind of marketing designer at Wonderman Thompson, but also has ALS and living her life to the best that she can for her 30s. And my friend Pinar, who just had her first baby. And by the way, for women, you know, if you have a child, you're considered disabled. Like there's like a statement in your in your health kind of uh, papers that say those things. So I think just overall, when I see those experiences, it makes me wonder that how do we get onto our lives when we need to get dressed and get out of bed? Like that's the first step. After you get clothes, you you have to like, brush your teeth, go get something to eat. But if if dressing is becoming something that's of a frustration or it takes more than 15 to 20 minutes of your time and it's not because you can't find something to wear in your closet, I think then there's something uh, something wrong there, meaning like there's also an opportunity um, where there's challenges to look at dressing. So if it's a barrier to your greater independence, I see it in a couple of ways. Like if it takes you that long, it's also cutting back on the job interview you can go to. It can cut back on the work that you need to get to throughout the day. Uh, time is money in New York. So as, as they say, you know, if you're wearing something and it doesn't, it takes too long, like functionally to put on, there should be something redesigned about it. And those are, I think, just some elements of, I think, clothing design that have good opportunities to be changed. But it's also, I think, about employment. And this is where I'm really proud to say, like at Open Style Lab, we, we try our best to employ many volunteers who have disabilities, whether they're writers or they're you know, volunteering for visual arts or anything that they want to help out with. And because clothing, if it's for like an employment, um, I guess uh, the word would be like requirement, like if there's a uniform or if there's a standard, but it's not designed for the seated body, is it really your fault that you got the interview, but there's like no standardized uniform for you? So those things, I think, become even a more frustrating barrier um, for someone who's got the job, <laughs> which I've heard too, and then those who are like trying to get the job. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode and came away with some information that you can now take with you to create your own change. If you would like more information about Trapes and Globe Lawn Wheels, please visit trapesandglobelonwheels.com. And that's Trapesin, T-R-A-I-P-S-I-N. And for updates and other TGOW-related news, follow our social media pages on Instagram and Facebook, both with handles Trapes and Globe Lawn Wheels, and then also LinkedIn and Twitter. You can find the links below in the description box or on our main channel page. We sincerely appreciate your support 
and we'll catch you again next time.